I'm Pastor Daniel Morris, and you're listening to Sharing the Bread of Life, a podcast by St. Timothy's Lutheran Church in Skokie, Illinois. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular subscriber, I pray that Christ feeds you from the stories and testimony you'll hear today. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. May the Lord fill you with every good thing, and may you have enough left over to share. The Holy Gospel according to Luke. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, Give this person your place. And then, in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, This past week I've been thinking a lot about Sabbath. And I've been thinking a lot about the fires in the rainforest and the Brazilian farmers down there. And I've been thinking a lot about food. So what do Sabbath rest, the dinner table, and Brazilian farmers all have in common? On the surface, it wouldn't appear much. The Sabbath is a special day of rest observed by Jews and Seventh-day Adventists. The dinner table is a place where food is consumed when we are not in between uh, activities in our car. And Brazilian farmers live in another country so far away that we rarely think of them. For better or for worse, these three things remain inextricably connected through our consumer habits. The insatiable appetite of the consumer is a cruel master. In ancient Israel, God granted the entire nation rest from this master once every seven days. According to Deuteronomy, The Sabbath reminds the Israelites that God liberated them from slavery in Egypt. Everyone within Israel's borders was to enjoy a day of rest on the Sabbath, including slaves, animals, and even the resident aliens. Ultimately, the Sabbath manifested God's blessing for the land's inhabitants. It was a safeguard against labor extortion. 
And it was a day when even those in bondage could enjoy a rest that in other lands was reserved only for the privileged few. In this spirit, Jesus and other noteworthy guests gathered at a Pharisee's house for dinner on the Sabbath. I can imagine Jesus' eyes shifting back and forth as he watched the guests strategically pick their seats. Naturally, they went for the places of honor where they could hobnob with other social elites and rub elbows with important community leaders. Jesus never condemned this behavior outright. Still, I have to imagine that networking and currying favor with influential people went against the intended spirit of the Sabbath meal. God's table of rest was in danger of being co-opted by political maneuvering. God's care for those in bondage was being eclipsed by a VIP guest list. For this group, a meal that was supposed to honor the interests of blue-collar workers and executives alike had become an occasion for self-advancement. The host's Sabbath table suggests that he and his guests valued technical obedience to the Torah while finding workarounds that prioritized their own interests. I wonder what our tables suggest about us. Amanda and I went out for hamburgers the other night. And as I was looking over the list of hamburgers, I remembered an interview that I had heard earlier that day about beef and the fires in the Amazon. Companies in the United States purchase a significant amount of beef from Brazilian ranchers. And as the Brazilian economy has struggled, many ranchers, farmers, and miners have tried to increase their profits by expanding their land. This often means setting fire to the rainforest and clearing ground. And Brazil's current leadership has fostered an environment where there are very few consequences for what are technically illegal activities. As I sat tasting that hamburger, I began to wonder where the beef for the patty came from. Did the company who sold it research their suppliers? Were the suppliers ethical? Was I about to order a delicious, mouth-watering burger with a side of charred rainforest? What's more, we drove to the restaurant, adding to the climate-changing emissions that the entire farm-to-plate process already released into the atmosphere. Those same emissions will help dry out Brazil's rainforests and farmlands. They will cause Brazilian ranchers and farmers to clear even more rainforest in an effort to make a profit, adding to a vicious cycle. I began to realize our our table's potential cost to the struggling ranchers and rainforests who also depend on God for their daily bread. I wondered what parable Jesus would tell about tables that value convenience over mercy and prioritize affordability over righteousness. Perhaps like us, 
The guests seated around the Pharisees' table were bound up in the very injustices that the Sabbath table was set to eliminate. Drawing on a bit of biblical wisdom, Jesus subtly addressed the other guests' political maneuvering with a parable about wedding etiquette. When you're invited to a wedding banquet, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. Using another parable, he pushed back against his host's VIP guest list. When you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. What good words! Of course, they would speak well of him. Only the careful listener would understand a deeper meaning. All this talk of wedding feasts and banquets alluded to the inbreaking of God's kingdom. It's the kingdom where some of the least important will be some of the most important, and some of the most important will be some of the least important. It's the kingdom where the bridegroom's presence brings joy and feasting, where there was formerly sorrow and fasting. It's the kingdom where the hungry will be filled with good things and the rich sent away empty. It's the kingdom where every table is a Sabbath table, and the liberating spirit of the meal is kept in joy. The greatest honor will be bestowed upon the lowliest of guests. The VIPs will be the ones the world dismisses as nobodies and nothings. The table of the kingdom will liberate a world in bondage to consumer appetites, and it will reconcile God with creation. This table is present among us here this morning. It is the table of our Lord Jesus Christ. The forces that consume God's world without rest are overcome in the joyful feast we keep today. We come as guests to his table where Jesus sets us free for works of righteousness and mercy. Gathered around the Lord's table, we see one another's true nature as children of God. We behold our universal dependence on God's gracious care and steadfast love. We taste the goodness of Jesus' lordship, and we are kissed by the eternal flow of love and grace from which all life springs. God gives us rest from the burdens we carry as we sit as guests around this table. And we are privileged to share what we have received as we go back out into our week. Keeping the Lord's feast is a way of life.
All who keep Jesus' feast live with humility, acknowledging their own captivity to sin and their own indebtedness to God's mercy. They act in the interests of those that the world would rather forget. They strive to set tables, just tables, that bless the world with life rather than tables that curse the world with death. Who would enjoy rest if we made consumer choices based on mercy rather than convenience? Who would experience abundance of life if we prioritized righteousness over affordability? Blessing abounds wherever Jesus is the host and wherever God's spirit gathers humanity in the joyful feast of his resurrection. So let us keep the feast for the sake of a world that is in bondage to our appetites. Let us keep the feast of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may share in its abundant blessings. In all these things, we who keep the feast enjoy true rest from the forces that take life, and we grant such rest to others. Every table that keeps the feast has Jesus as its host, and every table that keeps the feast gives us a taste of life in God's kingdom. The Lord has pulled out a chair for you. Take your seat and let the feast begin. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Sharing the Bread of Life. For more information on the mission and ministries of St. Timothy's Lutheran Church, please visit our website at www.stTimothyskokie.org or like us on Facebook. Check back next week for a new episode. The blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and always.